Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Kicking it with Grant Mahoney and Jeff Woody. This is the first actual in-season episode. A game actually happened. We can talk about what actually happened. And Grant, before we get to thanking our sponsors and, and welcoming everybody to whatever, we got some special teams, buddy. Woo, special teams, you. That's what I hear. We're the new special teams, you, new punter, you. Uh, it's not in any way an overreaction. We are completely... React or completely uh, honest, re- honest response. We are the best special teams country and or special teams team in the country. Damn near flawless performance, which we'll talk about. There is one flaw. Um, before we get to any of that, so welcome to, like I said, welcome to Kicking It, Grant Mahoney, Jeff Woody. This is sponsored by Kelderman Manufacturing. So thank you to Kelderman Manufacturing. They do a lot of heavy machinery uh, work. Any custom stuff you need for your RV, it is it is tailgating season. So if you have an RV, if you have a trailer, if you have something that you need manufactured, you need changed, you want to lift, you want to something like that, they're able to do that for you. It is also coming in harvest season. They have the bent corn reel since 19, the original bent corn reel since 1977, which can do both downed and standing corn. So thank you to Kelter Manufacturing. We're also live in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios, which is a lovely thing. It's fun when we get a to kind of pan around and set different angles. You, you got Brees Hall in the background. NFL kicks off this weekend. I had Monte Morris in the background of mine. Uh, who am I? Who's back over? It's just dartboard. There's a dartboard over you here. Got the Iceman Matt Thomas too. Uh, he's so quiet. Did you interact with him at all? Because he was on on the student athlete advisory advisory committee. Excuse me. With Naz and Matt Monte and and uh, George were on there. Matt, I, I think. I was in a room with them for probably like a solid like 25 hours over the course of the years that I was there in SAC. I might've heard him say seven words. I know when I was in college, I never did. Um, but after college, like when I first went back to Des Moines, young bachelor bumped into him at uh, one of the bars downtown and also Pat Mulcahy, former Iowa State football player as well. And he's like, Hey Matt, Grant, you guys know each other. And we're like, no, but we both know we're number 21 and just boom, hit it off. And we chatted and yeah, Best like, friends. like I had talked to him before, never had. And I was like, you're a cool dude. Like we should have been friends earlier. Well, and then you weren't. You're right. Don't have his number. So I'm messed up there. Uh, we, the cyclone fanatic podcast network is powered by Cody road. Uh, I got a, I got a pregnant wife. So I feel like I'm, I'm, it's a little one. I have a built in DD. So in situations where you do, uh, it's, it's, it's automatic. It's pretty easy. Um, but I also feel a little bit guilty. So when we went out to the, the Mississippi river distilling company for the, the cyclone fanatic preseason meeting, um, he had a, a special Iowish that like I got to taste test early last year. Mm. And it's my wife's favorite flavor of anything she's ever consumed. That's a spirit. And so he sent, we, we got home, we got sent home with an extra bottle of their it's uh, I mean, any Iowish flavor, but if we, we got sent up with a special bottle, what was, what was special about it? Uh, it's amaretto. It's oh, nice. amaretto flavored. Yeah. It's nice. It's unbelievable. Uh, I haven't cracked open the bottle because I was told that, I couldn't until she was no longer pregnant. So you're good, man. Ryan, the, the willpower it's taking me to not do that. You've made a great product and it's very hard to resist. So anyway, um, 
So Iowa State beats Northern Iowa 30 to 9. Convincingly. Convincingly. Uh, it was really not close. And we're going to get way into it on Football and Random Things tomorrow when we record that with Colin Newell and Connor Ferguson. Uh, but one of the things that we can bring to the table, especially when we're going to get to talking to uh, Scott Docterman, who is the co- recovers Iowa for the athletic later in the episode. Um, but one of the things that, like, it is unavoidable when you were talking, when we were, you were watching that game, the biggest difference from last year's team to this year's teams is special teams, special teams. So I was keeping a running total because it was like for the first three or four instances of something good happening with special teams, you're like, yeah, this is, this this is nice, but you know, it's not going to last. This is different. This is different, but you know, something, whatever. So this is until halftime. This is every time special teams. And there's, there's two major things that happen. And we're going to get into like some statistics on like, what what type of actual effect special teams had so you and i were texting and with aiden because Aiden had a little little shit fit that he didn't include in the text but aiden was uh let it be clear that was connor that texted you that i did not really care (laughs) okay he was like oh look look i got a text did you get a text Well, I included Aiden then. Uh, but anyway, so we are so just kind of keeping like a, a track of every single time that special teams came onto the field, what happened on that play. So the list of just special teams plays kickoff for a touchback, made extra point, kickoff for a touchback, a punt that was fair caught. Uh, next time special teams came on the field was a punt to the one, then a made extra point, kick for a touchback, uh, a 50 yard punt and tackle immediately by Darian Porter. So 50 yarder, a 20 yard punt return, then a punt return, uh, which wasn't fielded because it was shanked. Then there was a screwed up extra point, which we'll get to. And then a 56 yarder to end the half. So you have huge punt return touchbacks pretty much every single time you kick the ball off, you have a made 56 yarder for the kids first thing out and one screwed up extra point. So let's get to the good stuff in a second. But first, the bad thing that happened, Grant, what the f- happened on that extra point yeah so I, I didn't go back and watch it but watching it real time um so perkins is down you know the holder also our punter which maybe the mvp of the game we can get to that perkins was down and he should be expecting the ball you know within the frame of his body and i think what happened was that the the snap took him away away from his body so he had to kind of lean forward and you know just kind of threw him off threw off his balance he wasn't able to get the ball down and you know Contreras did his best to hold up and try to kick it but at that point He's already planted, you know, where he needs to plant to kick and the balls and it's just kind of hanging there with his kicked foot up. Like, what do I do now? And then try to swing through on nothing. Almost like it almost looked like he was taking a practice swing after the ball wasn't on the ground. And it's sort of just kicking nothing. Still should. I mean, you, as, as a kicker, you should still expect the ball. Even with bobble, you should, you've, you've got a certain time to get the ball from when you approach the ball to when you kick it. And you should, if you cannot see the ball, you should still expect the ball to be where it should be to kick it. So he did as best he could. I mean, it's hard to, it's easier said than done. It's hard to go into your last step where you're planting. I see the ball and think, well, what am I going to kick here? You know, Charlie Brown. Oh, he did as best he could. Had the ball been down and he did an essentially a no step kick. He could have still made a PAT. Um, It's only what, 20 yards by the time the ball leaves the foot to over to hit the crossbar. It wouldn't have been pretty. I mean, it would have been probably just barely over the crossbar, but the best he could and so that's that's what i think happened is, is maybe the snap took perkins off of you know out of his frame of of his body where he should have been catching the ball usually and i'm sure you know the snapper heard uh something about that 
But yeah. <laughs> Other than that, though, pretty, pretty flawless, you know, special teams well, and performance and well, kicking for sure. What was really nice about that, like just the, the a kind of an ironic situation where like when when you're presented with opportunities in sports, you're always going to get another one or almost always going to get another opportunity. It's just depending on how close and far off. And so the luck sometimes is that the the second opportunity gets brought really, really quickly to kind of forget the bad one. And the first opportunity that Contreras had on the field to kick a field goal was in an absolute, just no lose situation, but buried a 56 yarder into a little bit of wind too. When he sent him out there, I was like, what are we doing here? This kid must have an absolute cannon. I've never seen him kick. He must have an absolute cannon because Shackford had a kickoff. He'd been kicking the opposite direction, you know, into the North end zone. It was six, seven yards deep. Yep. Every time. And then he had one that was down to like the, I don't know, five or six. And I was like, Oh, it must be like a slight wind. I hadn't seen the flags at the top of the goalpost. I didn't, I wasn't able to attend the game. And so when he sent, when coach Campbell sent him out there, I was like, what is Iowa state doing right now? Like this, this kid must have an absolute hammer or <laughs> a leg, I mean, a big, strong leg. Um, or the wind died down or what? crushed. Absolutely crushed. Um, what do we get from 60 plus? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was, it, it was, and that was both a sarcastic cheer and a legitimate cheer when Contreras made that in the stadium. Like it was the, the sarcastic cheer happened when Iowa state got under center at the half yard line and did a quarterback sneak successfully, successfully get like, that was a sarcastic cheer of just being under center. And then it turned into a real cheer. The sarcastic cheer turned real cheer of like, Oh shit, we can do this now. We can do this now of when he actually made a 56 yarder. Like the fact that it was, on time it was accurate and he made it like i think it was really cool because i would have what is it like between are you guys practicing or are you just sort of like well that sucked and then just move on between if there's a bobbled snap or bad snap bad hold bad kick whatever between that opportunity and the next opportunity because it, it was like in real time it was like six minutes probably between that screwed up extra point and hitting that other one what are you guys doing between there to enable or not enable yourself to continue the success as a kicker, you're supposed to have a short memory. So, you know, say he missed the PAT. Theoretically, you're supposed to just forget about it and, you know, make or miss on to the next one. I think with that situation where it was a, a bobbled snap, it was less of, you know, mentally, it was less for Contreras, but, you know, there was something I did. Uh-huh. Um, whereas, you know, like I said, had he missed the PAT, maybe it would have lingered around a little bit longer. I think because it was kind of something that's out of his control, he was just kind of like, well, I did what I could. Um, it was probably easier for him to forget. It stinks that it'll now go down as a missed PAT and, you know, like on, stat, his yeah, on, on his stats, which I mean, who really cares, you know, but yeah, he was able to bounce back and what a confidence booster. I mean, at any, at any point in the season, you hit a 56 yarder, but for your first field goal with your first game with Iowa state, with your first real action of starting, he played a little bit in Nebraska, but didn't really start an absolute confidence booster in the first game of the year. I, I got to think it's only going to carry on. We can't expect 56 yards every game. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope we can, but yeah, I doubt it. Um, but that you know, it gives confidence in coach Campbell in Contreras and the fans and the team. It, it, was, it was huge. It, it was a huge confidence booster for him, for the team, for the fans all around. Well, one of the other things that was interesting about it, it's like Tyler Perkins also, I mean, he might've bobbled the snap, like whether, whether the snap was bad or whether the hold was bad. I, I didn't get to watch it because the ESPN plus experience when you're watching it live, it's fine because the commercials are just there. But if you're trying to watch the game back, I, I don't know. Has anyone, am I the only one that has this, this difficulty watching back an ESPN plus game, it, it is like trying to pull teeth or like, Oh my God, you're just old. Don't understand technology. 
So on the, I have a Samsung television and the ESPN app. When I go to log in, you know, punch in your email, whatever. Okay. Uh, click continue, go to your password page, go to hit submit. The app won't accept the button of submit. So I can't, I literally can't log in. Like, and that's not a, an old man technology. That's literally like, you can't click the button. It won't let you click the button. Uh, I don't I tried to upload it or tried deleting the app, re-downloading it, whatever. It doesn't work. So always just go to AirPlay and then AirPlay it from my phone up there. Well, the problem is, is when you go to AirPlay it up there, it has to load a certain amount, like back in the, you know, the old uh, MySpace, it has to buffer a good amount of actual loaded time before it goes up there. And you can't fast forward too far through commercials. And then the thing will crash because it's, the, the ESPN plus software, again, I, I, maybe it's fine for other people, but it sucks generally for me. So I watched back. It took me probably 30 minutes to watch 11 minutes of game. So I didn't get to go watch back the entire second portion of this. Call me an old man. If you want, I think you need a new internet provider or a new TV or something. You got something going on there. What's that device right in front of you? Yeah, it's, it's a computer. Uh, that, does ESPN plus work on that? <sighs> Got your ass there. <laughs> the silence shit. is deafening. I'm sick of your shit. Uh, I prefer to watch it on a television. Because no, I, I totally get you it. You can see it. Can you airplay it from your laptop, though? I mean, yes, kind of. But it Does still it runs into the same problem. Of, so it's not much better than your phone. Well, the air, When you go to airplay it, the airplay problem is fast forwarding far enough. Is it's going to get at some point the stream like it's not going to load far enough. And so you have to try and like I have to watch the game with commercials if I'm trying to watch the whole thing, which is three and a half hours of commitment that I don't want to spend. I just want to watch, Hey, let's just watch the offensive drives here. Like you're watching game film. So first world problems, man. Yeah, I know. Anyway, (laughs) so I didn't get to watch the game back. So regardless of not watching the game back, um, Tyler Perkins dude hammered a ton of punts. And one of the things that, so we, we were in special teams meetings, you and I back in the old uh, playing days. And Shane Burnham was the one who was the, he was a DNs coach and or D line coach and was also kind of the special team. He was the, the coverage guy. The return guy was usually Messingham was the one that was co- was coaching the return. So it was sort of, a, we didn't have a one special teams coordinator as a split coordinator, but um, Burnham was the one that Shane Burnham was the one that led those special teams meetings. And one of the, the, the statistics that he would put together, cause you had just goals, like the special teams goals through any given week. And it was, I think average 41 yards a punt, it would be 100% on all operations, and that would be snap punt uh, or snap hold kick or snap punt. 100% on all operations, 41 yards of punt, yeah, 100% made kicks. Um, inside 35. Uh, 100% kicks inside 35 yards. Um, at least one T20, so which is a tackle inside of the 20-yard line on a kickoff or touchbacks on all other ones. But one of the other statistics in there is not one that you can really find on a box score. And I've mentioned this like once or twice. We're going to do this every single game because it matters so much more than people give it credit for. I will say that we're like statistically in order to do this, I'm going to stop it at halftime because the second half got really wonky with pretty much every stat. So like no matter, I mean, the game was already 20, it was 23 to zero at halftime. And by the time you came back in the second half, it was 97 degrees. They played a vanilla offense. They played a vanilla defense. They were just trying to just get the game by. And so the statistics got all skewed. So basically in the, in the time that mattered, is kind of just doing this, the math for what this is. So what the statistic that would, that Burnham would have, and I'm just going to tweak it a little bit, which is hidden yards. 
So hidden yards are something that everyone always talks about, but doesn't really quantify. So hidden yards, the terminology is what what effect does special teams have on the game itself? So sometimes people will look at hidden yards and go, ah, well, uh, this team did good because it feels like they did good. Well, what hidden yards actually are, so the way that we would do it in, in a game would be, uh, or, or the, the Sunday meetings, you're watching film, the first thing we'd go through is special teams. Rhodes would talk for a little bit, go to a special teams meeting because everybody's there and you split into offense and defense. And what he would do is, so if in Iowa State's, or in, in our case, if Iowa State started average starting field position on the 37-yard line and your opponent's average starting field position was the 25-yard line, where there's 12 yards of difference in the average starting field position between your team and my team. If we had 10 possessions and there's 12 yards on average that I started closer to the end zone than you did, you would need to gain 120 extra yards in order to get where I just started. So how many points can you score with getting more yards than the opponent in a game? Am I good with math, man? Zero. That's right. It's not riding time. It's not a thing that you can do in wrestling where they just like throw a point at the end. So like you can, you can have 700 yards of offense, but if you score three points, it doesn't matter. So, and you can also have hundred yards of offense and you score 50 points. Theoretically, it's a difficult, but possible. So yards don't really matter. It's just an indicator of success. And so points are really the only thing that matters. And so what hidden yards do and what Burnham would usually do is just say average starting field position minus opponents, average starting field position. And then you want to be plus 10 in that category. So like that 30, we start in the 37, they start in the 20. And in that case, we would have succeeded in that game and our hidden yardage. Um, in for for an easier, more translatable, how does this apply to a game? What do you think, if, instead of saying 12 yards, did we succeed it? It's 120 on 10 drives or whatever. That's not, that's just the example. What do you think the difference was in hidden yards in the first, just the first half of Iowa State and UNI, if you add it all in total, how many yards would Northern Iowa have to gain in order to get to where Iowa State started with the ball? Yeah, it's tough because we had that pick six. Um, so pick six, great point. So in a pick six or a, a special teams touchdown, you count that as all the way down because that's a touchdown. That is you and I, in order to get a touchdown, would have to drive all the way down. So that's 100. So that's a, an average starting field position of the you and I zero yard line, you'd have, you'd include that in the statistics. So a defensive touchdown really throws these metrics in a good way for your team off in the same way that pinning someone at the one is you're starting at your own one, or you're starting at the, you know, whatever it's the, the, use, the, the, the yardage is huge. So what do you think the difference was including a pick six as starting at the opponent's zero? What do you think the average yardage was the, the, the hidden yardage existed? The average or total? Total. Total. Because we had, uh, Cooper had both of his interceptions in the first, first half. First half, yep. 100 yards. Five, six. So there were eight drives, if you include the pick six as a drive. 209 hidden yards, oh, if you off. include the pick six. 109 Samson if you don't I... include the pick six. Wow. So in the first half, total yards that uh, Northern Iowa had was 85 yards of offense. Iowa State had 149 yards of offense. Iowa State, by math, then, in those 209 hidden yards, would really would have had 357 or 358 yards of, quote, field position advantage. Which would have looked prettier in the box score. Right, but if, if in the box score, in the first half, if you had 357 yards, 
They're 358 yards. Holy shit. What an offense. And that's the difference between special teams, good special teams and bad special teams. I mean, this, that sometimes that can be a zero. Like if both teams, if every single change of possession was a punt touchback or a kickoff touchback and you start at the 25 and there's zero net yards on either side, hidden yardage in the, just the first half alone was 209 yards towards Iowa state. That's why that game felt so gone. Like so boring in the second so half. So boring too, in the second half. Pretty much essentially over. But that's why it felt so dominating. Mm-hmm. That like that's the difference that special teams can make. And that's why this Iowa State team with a really solid defense and playing special teams like that, that's why it never felt close. Like, yes, Northern Iowa grand first half, it was it, they only had 85 yards of offense. They also only had five first downs and they uh had two turnovers and gave up four sacks. Excuse me, three sacks in the first half. So not great. But it never felt close because they were starting in their own end zone and Iowa state was starting in plus territory almost every single time. That's where special teams can go. So when we talk about the punters, we talk about the kickers, we talk uh, in the, the, we're going to talk with Scott document a little bit. And we talked a lot about Tory Taylor. We talked a lot about Tyler Perkins. We talked a lot about Darian Porter. Who's covering punts because 209 yards of hidden yardage makes that game not close. And that's how I was able to win games all these years. You know, their offense was terrible last year, but, they had great Their hidden yardage statistic yeah. was because they would get turnovers or get defensive touchdowns. They Tory Taylor would bomb it. Uh, their hidden yardage statistics. I'm not going to go through and do that. Uh, absolutely not. not that it takes a little bit of effort because you have to go through this and do some math here, but that's why Iowa's offense could somehow manage that. They would win games is because you had to drive like 70 yards just to get where they started and their offense sucks. And, but they get this huge giant head start. And that's what Iowa State's offense was able to do. There's this huge, giant head start in front of you and I. And yeah, you and I is going to win a lot of games this year, but they were made to look extremely pedestrian because they were in such bad positions due to the special teams. And I hope it's not fool's gold. You know, I hope it's not you know a uh, a product of of playing a, a, an FCS team. You know, I, I hope we have a legit, which I think we do, a legit special teams unit from kick and punt return, kick yeah, kick and punt return, field goal block. Field goal execution and missing one kick, kick, kickoff, cover, return, kick punt, off, cover, kick, return, yeah, yeah. field goal, block, field all goal, aspects. I'll just say all aspects. Just all, there's I, six I hope because because we, we were essentially, yeah, I, I think I covered all six, whatever. I think we, we essentially were great in all six aspects. And one thing we, we talked about too is that last year we were so comfortable with just fair catching punts, just fair catching kickoffs, and just taking the ball to 25 and, you know, not really worrying about returning it you saw how well our returns were when we actually do it. And you know, if, if you do just fair catch kickoffs and start your 25, great, but say you bring it out and you start your 30, that's five more yards that you have, obviously. But then when you actually, you know, let Jalen Knoll do his thing or, you know, when, when purchase had the the kickoff that he took back to almost midfield, I think, but then got back, back on a holding, yeah, yep. back in a holding. Our returns were, are, are going to be huge for us. And that's, that's what we need. And you look back a couple of years ago, when we beat Texas and Kenny Wong, who had that long return. Well, the, it was the Oklahoma game. That's yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah the Oklahoma this, game. Yeah, yeah. That was when it, they were down. I think it was to Spencer Rattler. Iowa State was 17. Or it was down 14, something like that, uh, in end of the third quarter. And then Wong, Wongu pops that big return. He doesn't, doesn't house it. Somehow someone managed to push him out of bounds. I don't know why or I don't know how, but they were able to make this big difference. And I think that's, the, so every, every week we'll see what the hidden yardage is yeah. because this is a special teams podcast and that's what we do here. I also think that it's really fun that this season we have a, t- a, a podcaster is going to dig into special teams. 
and we've got a kicker and a guy who is on special teams to talk about special teams, and Iowa State's special teams is actually good. This is substantially more interesting than saying, like, well, they had two punts blocked, and uh, they mishandled a punt. And we may, we may have games like that. The, hopefully not. But the, Oh, yeah. Hopefully there is more good than bad. But hidden yards is a, is a statistic mm-hmm. you can count on with this on this podcast substantially substantially better than last year and made a huge difference in the first half. And again, the, the back half of the game, there's very little stock you can put in that. Uh, and we're going to talk more, like I said, we're going to talk more about it on fart tomorrow about more of the actual like breakdown of the game itself. Uh, but the, the back half of the game, you could tell they were sort of just getting bodies in there playing everything as flat and vanilla as they could. I would imagine on special teams too. They're just, it, there's nothing that was exotic. I, I bet they probably told Perkins, hang it up as high as you can, as opposed to trying to bomb one 75 yards is just get one up in the air so we can force a fair catch, uh, kickoffs. It looks like Shackle. It seemed like Shackleford granted. They didn't have, they only had what two kickoffs in the second half, I think. Uh, cause it was 23 and there's 30. So it was just yeah. one. They just had one kickoff yeah, in the second one. half. And so I, I, I would imagine if there was any big thing I, they're they're not trying to do a ton executionally in that second half. Um, but that was that was so much more fun to watch. It really was, and and hidden yardage is really what tells you know the main story. You, you can look at the box score and see that they outgained us you know two hundred seventy six or seventy nine yards to two fifty. So it's like oh man, like you and I, but like w- when you're starting at, at at their ten, right? There's only when you know. when well the the Jeremiah Cooper pick six, the next Jeremiah Cooper interception, zero plays later kick a field goal. So your the entire length of the drive, the maximum length of the drive is. 43 yards and you kick a field goal on the end of it so you could own but versus if you're if if a team is pinned inside that on their own one they can get 99 yards or they can get 50 yards and they still have to punt again yards don't equal points so it is one of those things that uh going into this week there is going to be a substantial there's a, a, a substantial step up in the competition you're playing specifically on special teams iowa is very good that's better. They got one blocked. It was a, you can assume that you're going to, they're going to watch film and they're going to get screamed at for how stupid that was. Cause if you watch the game, I mean that, yeah, both the personal protectors, they just split. We had a couple that we almost got to you and I, Iowa State had a couple that we almost got to you and I. So it, it's true. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know if, if that was, you know, Campbell just saying, let's, let's try this and just see, you know, how much we can get through, or it's like, maybe they saw something on a film. Maybe they actually were trying to block it, which why wouldn't they? But you got to believe, you know, when Iowa State goes into watching Iowa's, I'm sure when, they will. When, when they watch that back, they're gonna say, okay, there, there, there's a hole. And I would Let's imagine, it. and I would imagine Iowa's gonna shore that up pretty quickly. That that doesn't that feels like a, yeah. a that's a mental mistake, not a physical mistake. Yeah. And that is one of those. Yeah, I talk about it before, like the it might have even been on this show, like the Hawaiian like missile crisis thing, where like the the guy who fake pressed the buzzer and they fired him. And they're like, no, you don't want to fire that guy. You keep that guy there because he's the only one that knows how the system works and he knows what the stupid is for that. Uh, and this feels like one of those things like you're not going to sub that guy out. You're going to, he's going to know exactly the mistake that he made to probably not do that again. Um, so the, uh, there was the back half of the episode. We are going to talk with Scott Doctorman about what to expect with Iowa. And we do get fairly into punting here. So, I think Aiden, I don't know if you got a, do we have bump music officially? Do we, are we professional enough to have bump music? Can we get some bump music in between these? We're going to do it until they tell us not to. Nice. All right. Well, this is Scott Dockerman talking about Iowa. We'll be back right after he's done with a little bit of wrap up. Chicken!
So now we're going to bring in Scott Docterman of The Athletic, who's a noted Cyclone fan, according to all Iowa fans that read his column. Uh, he's a huge homer. That's why he's on Cyclone Fanatic. No, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, Scott. We're from the, the eastern side, the darker half of the state. Yeah, the dark side. Uh, in fact, I had to bring up my right behind me, uh, one of my pieces of art from my son, which is a uh, uh, it's one of Cy versus the Wildcat from Kansas State, because we've talked about this for a while. He believes there needs to be like a Reaper uh, traveling trophy oh my from Kansas God. State and Iowa State. So we do need a Farmageddon with a, yes. like an actual Reaper. Yes. Oh, what if he's sitting on top of like a like a combine, like just the re- full scythe and everything just on top of a com- oh, What yeah. if the combine is the trophy? <laughs> it's an actual case IH trophy. Yes, you, you have to drive the combine. <laughs> yeah, right. Drive the combine. All the way Manhattan, down from Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so for those that don't know, Scott, it wor- is co- or works for the athletic covering Iowa um, and is one of the guys when you ever like when you need like straightforward information that is very not biased or uh, very uh, the give a shit level uh, as far as opinions. Accuracy, very high. Give us a level, very low uh, as far as uh, making people happy. And so that makes a good reporter <laughs> in my book. Um, and so with for Iowa fans, or excuse me, Iowa State fans who haven't been able to watch Iowa, we're going into Cyhawk week, obviously. And a lot of times when you look at a box score, like when you take the Iowa State box score, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, it doesn't really give an indication of how the game went because one, it was a bazillion degrees, uh, guys are just trying to get out healthy at a certain point. Like that game at one point was 24 to six. It, it wasn't, I watched it back at no point. Did it feel like Utah state was going to win that game? So you look at the box score and you're like, Hey, I mean, they only ran for X yards per carry or whatever. Um, so you need a better feel for it. So when you were actually watching that game, what was the vibe of that? Because I imagine it was sort of like Iowa States where it never felt in doubt, but it, it, you weren't sure uh, if, if you could count on anything, but what, yeah, what was the vibe watching that game live at Kinnick relative to the expectations of it? The first uh, you know, part of the first quarter, it felt like, oh, my God, you know, happy learned to putt here. You know, they, <laughs> they scored two touchdowns on their first two possessions. They're just running at will. They're, they're throwing the ball all over the place. And you're thinking, OK, this might be uh, this is something different. I haven't seen this for a while. And then it, they got on offense, I would say, very choppy. There was just a lot of stagnation. The offensive line missed a ton of blocks in the running game. I mean, it, it, they were working more, it seemed like, more gap and counter than they were zone, which is unusual for Iowa. And for whatever reason, the, the line that just weren't getting to their aiming points, they weren't getting to their spots. And, uh, and a lot of times it was just one guy that was getting – through but it's still one guy ruined the the play and and so after a while you just saw this oh here we go again you know this offense isn't going to get off the ground and and but they did come back a couple of times and it put together some nice drives and and i think overall it's you know everybody overreacts to the first game especially against the opponent so I, I, I chalk it up as probably like a c plus game you know offensively they played well early they didn't play well at times Looking at it, it was more last year. I thought it was almost hopeless and watching them after the first game or two, you know, Iowa state and South Dakota state. I thought, okay, this, this is, they're down to the end of the ketchup bottle here. They have <laughs> no flavor left uh, this year. It's like, okay, uh, pass pro. They look good. I would say offensive line. Um, you've got a lot of work to do, but it, it's they're correctable errors. Um, but of course people right now, they're the, the, Torches are already out for Brian Ferentz, and I don't think that was going to change, even if they would have scored 50. 
I, I had read a stat that um, this was the first time in Kirk Ferentz's tenure and since 91 that Iowa had a passing touchdown on their opening drive. It That's is an incredible stat. It is. I mean, you think <laughs> at some point they're going to hit like a 75-yard yeah. pass or something or, yeah. or a one-yard pass, but uh, <laughs> no, this time around. Yeah, it, so I guess there's a piece of trivia there for, for Iowa fans if they, uh, you know, compared to last year where yeah, I think what, oh they had God. seven that touchdowns. Last, that South Dakota State game last year. And, and I mean, obviously I went to Iowa State. I'm an alumnus, but like I generally I like watching good football when you're watching a game I, I don't want to see garbage and man last year's Iowa's uh, last year's Iowa offense was like re- just uncomfortable to watch and this year was different this year felt different than that like you said for the first quarter quarter and a half and I think one of the main stories coming into this week uh so Iowa State in their game against Theo Day who's a pretty damn good quarterback in his own right they had five sacks two interceptions, seven quarterback hits and seven or seven additional quarterback hits and seven additional quarterback hurries. Uh, Cade McNamara looked great for the first quarter. Then he had to scramble. He got hit a little bit. And then from that point, it looked like that injury that he had that he suffered in camp that kind of kept him out for a little bit flared up somewhat. I would imagine the temperature is not going to be as aggressive, which hopefully for a soft tissue injury, isn't going to mean that it's, uh, it's, it's as, I don't know, prominent in this week's game as it was in last week's game. But what can you say about McNamara's health coming out of it? Did they, did Ferentz and, and, and the, the staff at all address his health coming out of it? Because it seems like he's at like a solid 70% going against a defense who can bring pressure against an offensive line who's hit or miss on success. Yeah, I think it's still a concern and I think it will be for a little while. I think that was kind of the discussion going on all of last week, which is he's cleared to play but do you play him because you know that more important games are down, down the pipe. I mean, whether it's going to Jack Trice or it's going in a couple of weeks to Penn state and then Michigan state. I mean, those games are clearly more important than Utah state. I mean, that's a team that you'd think that they would beat anyway. Now looking back, you know, they might've struggled at times uh, and maybe it would have been closer than what we initially thought, but I think, yeah, there were a couple of scrambles that he had that really he didn't flash much. I don't know if he tried to run as much as he normally would. And I think their offense was limited. There was there weren't really any bootlegs. There weren't a lot of play action. And I think some of that is probably due to they didn't want to stress out his leg that much. And then when the game seemed to be reached its conclusion early in the fourth quarter, then they pulled him for Deacon Hill. And that made a lot of sense, but, but you guys are absolutely right. And watching just the uh, way Iowa state's defense performed the other day, you know, first glance, not seeing him every single day, you think, okay, no, Will McDonald, no MJ Anderson, um, you know, no Orion Vance, you know, that maybe this defense takes it down a notch, but I didn't see that at all. I mean, I think the secondary, I think both secondaries might be two of the best in the country. Unbelievable. But I, yeah. You know, both of them. I mean, Cooper was amazing for Iowa State, not only just his interception, but hitting people all over the place in Tampa. Yeah. Everybody knows how good he is. So I think, uh, you know, it's going to be, this is going to be a huge test because it's a different style of defense they don't see. And it's one that 
is successful. So it's going to make Kay McNamara uncomfortable. I'm not sure how he can move within the pocket. I'm not sure that they're how they're going to be able to navigate that. He is a tough guy. He's played with a lot of injuries in the past. So I imagine he's going to try to gut through it. But, you know, a muscle's different than, you know, you guys know, especially you, Jeff. You know, you know how, <laughs> you know, whether you have not No offense, Grant, but, <laughs> but you know, if you have an ankle or a knee, ankle or a knee versus a muscle it's different and i think it'll be interesting to see how that responds but i'm glad the weather is supposed to be come down because nobody wants what we had two years ago over there which was like the surface of the sun oh god or uh lightning delay lightning delay yeah. I'm, uh, I'm knocking on wood for all of us here for everybody that's listening for all of us participating uh that we don't have to sit in the stadium adjacent to the stadium for six hours and dampen the mood um so you mentioned the secondary. One of the things that 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 I thought was interesting is that uh, let's take the linebackers. Just basically anybody involved in pass coverage uh, for Iowa. You lose Riley Moss. You lose um, is it Merriweather? That was number yeah. twenty-seven safety. Um, you lose Merriweather. You lose Riley Moss. You replace them. I think Jamari Harris is uh, a little bit. I, I mean, oh. Riley Moss is pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, whoever the other corner was, who, whoever ended up playing there was physical but wasn't quite in the right spot as often as you would want him to be what like riley moss was but the thing that jumped out to me is that uh you better bring your lunch pail against this iowa secondary like they they, they might be not quite as aligned yet because they are breaking in two new starters you're losing a guy to the nfl um but man that is a physical physical group especially you look at like schulte is basically a linebacker playing safety and Cooper DeGene is the best athlete in the field, no matter where you put him. So like with the secondary, is is there anybody that stood out in the secondary that played or didn't play? Like I know Wonka had like, it was cramping a little bit. So they had to bring in someone for him mm-hmm. who in the secondary or kind of the back seven played more than you expected them to play. They went, that was the first game I've ever seen where they didn't play four, three. They played exclusively either nickel or dime. Oh, and, and that's uh, you know they they've kind of switched to that four two five as their primary defense uh, about five years ago. But but usually they'd still play some four, uh, you know four three. They didn't do that at all the other day. So it was interesting to see Nick Jackson, who's a transfer from Virginia, get in there and he had to play weak side and he was mainly in coverage the whole time and he looked. It looked rough for him because now he didn't play badly. It was just not quite what he wanted to play. Uh, the guy that's going to have all eyes on him this week is Deshaun Lee, who is replacing Jamari Harris for one more week. And, well, we kind of know why Jamari Harris isn't there, kind of like uh, why several players aren't there for Iowa State. Uh, and and but, I want to I ask you about that too, Doc. Um, yeah. you know, there, there obviously are – we know the five guys that are out for, for Iowa mm-hmm. State, and there are a few out for Iowa as well too. Noah Shannon was one of the, you know, studs on Iowa's defensive line. How did their defensive line look, um, you know, with, without him in there? How did his, you know, his replacement do? Oh, fine. That That's actually probably their deepest area. And that's the area that's going to show up the most in a lot of these games. It, it wasn't as impactful against Utah State as it will be against other teams because uh, there's a very quick, short passing game, try to get the ball out of their hands, a lot of screens. Uh, so they didn't get to the quarterback that often. They did get some hits. They did, a, did get a sack. But uh, YA Black and Aaron Graves are probably athletically better than Noah Shannon. Noah Shannon's just uh, an incredible technician in year six now. So that that's a loss on a lot of levels, but I would say – athletic wise uh, YA black and, and Aaron Graves are NFL guys he's 
probably a go-to-camp guy. But uh, I would say Jamari Harris is a big loss uh, for this team, especially going into this game. And that's something that Kirk referenced even a little bit on Saturday uh, because Deshaun Lee played pretty well for being a redshirt freshman out there. He goes, you know, we took a young guy over there uh, a couple of years ago and, he, and then the ball went over his head a couple of times, which was DJ Johnson back in but yeah, 19, maybe 18. I, I'm losing my track of my years here, but, um, and it was what that pass to, was it Petaway and then over, over the top, um, you know, from the wide receiver. And so that's what thing that they're going to have to be prepared for, because I'm sure Deshaun Lee is going to get targeted because you don't want to really target Cooper DeGene that often or the ball's going the other way. No. And I think one thing that, that Iowa has an advantage of, at least when you play those physical safeties, the way I was, I mean, Rocco backed through. So JJ Cole's drives were a little bit, they were off kilter because he got kind of behind. He was processing way too much. I would guess that you're going to, we're going to see maybe toss him out there for a drive JJ, but it's going to be Rocco for the rest of the way. I think Rocco targeted a wide receiver three or four times out of his 13 pass attempts. The rest of them went to running backs and mostly tied in. So you're going to be tested more in the box than anything. And the guy that stood out to me uh, was a fire plug named Jay Higgins. Mm -hmm. That dude, that's okay. So you're replacing Jack Campbell, who is arguably in the storied history of Iowa linebackers, potentially the best one that's ever done it. Mm -hmm. And his first round draft pick for a reason has every record. He started for like 12 years uh, was the one on the defense, the way that they call their defense in the Mike linebacker is the guy who sometimes they'll still huddle. So like, he's the guy that's coordinating, calling everything that to me come week three or four, Iowa's defense is going to be substantially better than they are now, even though they look pretty good because you're going to have a better feel for what that's going to be because you're replacing Jack Campbell Higgins. He's like, I don't know how tall he is. Maybe we'll come six foot. He might, might be taller than that. But he looks like he's like 260 and just is an absolute just brick, like a, literally a fire hydrant in the middle of the field. It, what's his personality type like? Because I'm, I'm his playing against Iowa State the way Iowa State is going to play. If you are able to get to that dude, whether it's physically or mentally, the defense has, I mean, because I could, I could draw right now what Iowa's defense looks like. It doesn't look any different except 425. You get a different, yeah. a slightly faster guy that plays the outside position. Uh, when you get against this Iowa defense, they're going to play a two gap technique up front, which is the linemen are just going to hold you there. And then they're going to throw you the other way, which it means that your linebackers are going to stay clean, which is why your their linebackers are always the top one, two, and three tacklers in the team because they just get to run around. But if your linebackers are in the wrong spot or if they're missing tackles or they get frustrated or they get tired or they're getting double teamed or whatever, then that's when the Iowa, when Iowa has had poor games, it's when their linebackers have played poorly. What's his personality type like? Because if he's a guy who you can get to or is going to wear down, then it feels like there's a chance for this Iowa State offense to do something against this defense because that's where you're going to try and attack. I think he's he's better than that. And he's now nobody's Jack Campbell. They'll never replace him as kind of like Tim, Tyler Linderbaum was the same way at that center. He's just the best that they've yeah, ever exactly had. The same. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's unfair to make that comparison. But I look at him a lot like an Anthony Hitchens. Um, 
not quite Josie Jewell, but closer to Josie Jewell and ability. So, you know, he had 16 tackles the other day, incredibly physical against the run. I want to see what he can do against the pass because a lot of times, again, Nick Jackson was playing weak side. And so there, you know, in their coverage, he was mainly in the center of the field. Didn't really do a whole lot there. He might, that might be the one area where he may have some issues. I would say the fact that Iowa State can play four or five running backs and, and you can try to fit different um, styles against him. That might be a, a little bit more of a, a factor. Plus, you know, uh, there's more physicality associated with Iowa State. So, you know, there's there's some areas that I'm I'd, I'd like to watch with him. But he's he's a pretty good player. He's not a player that's really going to uh, crash and burn. So, uh, you know, last year he played a lot. He was kind of their third linebacker. Uh, Seth Benson was also a really good linebacker and he was there um, and he, they, he would step in and play weak side. Seth would play outside when they went four or three. Uh, but I don't know that there's, I'm just going to be interested to see on cutbacks and some other things. If, if, if he, how he scrapes, how he gets to the, uh, to the hole, if, if, and then that he gets met by somebody and how he can get off those blocks against a big physical lineman. I think that's really the next step for him. But the other day he was very impressive. Yeah, and I'll be interested how he matches up because the tight ends are potentially the best group on the offensive on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and sure. I'll, I'll be interested to see how he and the rest of the Iowa secondary match up against these giant freaking tight ends. Like uh, the Brom, the touchdown that Brommer had, he was running away from the UNI safety. Like the dude's 6'6", 250, and was still running away from a safety. So like there's some talent in that room, and I'm I'm interested like that's – for me, that's the biggest matchup is like the running back tight end group against the Iowa linebackers because we know Iowa's defensive line is they're good. They're huge. They play with their hands really well. Like they're going to be fine. The secondary, they're physical. You might get one out of place here or there because they're a little bit young outside of uh, Dejean and Schulte. But like the linebackers, they're new. They're they're new. Yes, they've they played some before, but Benson and Campbell played like 90% of the snaps last year. Like you're getting a new position group there. That's the one that I'm sort of like, if Iowa State is going to move the ball and they're going to score points, it's going to be on that. But what's actually going to happen for sure is a punt fest. <laughs> it's a punt fest on Saturday. We all know it's going to be a punt fest on Saturday. I know Williams has talked enough trash about it, but our guy outpunted your guy, 53.8 versus 50, and your guy got a punt blocked. How did that <laughs> The fact that Iowa got a punt blocked is incredible. How did they react to that? Like, what was it sort of like seeing uh, Tyson get knocked down for a second? <laughs> a little bit, you know. Uh, but the fact is, it not only did it hit, but then it, it started to roll and it rolled over 30 yards. Yeah, 37 yards. So it didn't even matter in some respects. But um, it really was about the upbacks. You know, that was the big problem that the upbacks just let this guy block three punts last year. This has got to be a really frustrating thing for Kirk because he actually talked about it like three different times last week about how this Ike Larson is, uh, you know, an incredible punt blocker. And, and then for him to do it again, uh, really just, you know, <laughs> I I'm think sure it's Iowa nonetheless. Yeah, sure, it pissed him off, but but yeah, I'm anxious to see Tyler Perkins. When I re, when I watched the the game yesterday, uh, the Iowa State U and I game, I'm like first punt. I'm like, holy shit, you know where this guy come from? <laughs> you know, it's like Vander uh, Camp's back. You know, and you got one of your Eastern Iowa guys, Darian Porter, just yes. absolutely hauling mm -hmm. to get that ball that punt down. It like that's, I mean, that's a luxury to have a dude. And I mean, it's just a thing that you know I, I, Iowa has it all the time. You have a big ass punter or punter who can just boom it, and you. Have, you're two fastest dudes on the outside and just go. 
And to have Tyler Perkins and Darian Porter on that unit, I thank the eastern half of the state for Darian Porter. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, you know, when he started out as a wide receiver, now he's defensive back. Is that right? For, yeah, he's a 6'4 yeah. cornerback. So when yeah. you have a, a big, tall dude, uh, and, I mean, TJ Tampa's really good. Miles Purchase is really physical. But if you have a big, tall dude that just runs like a deer, you put Darian Porter out there can run step for step with anybody. He, he was a, I mean, big-time track guy in high school, oh, Yeah, too. he's a yeah. multi-time state champ in yeah. the 400. Yeah, he's a stud. Great athlete. Yeah. Yeah, over at Bettendorf. And uh, yeah, I can see him being, you know, I, I look at somebody like Julius Brents at K-State, you know, and when he was at Iowa, is somebody like, built kind of like Darian Porter. But when you have a gunner who could get down the field and chase, I, I mean, just the way things have changed over here, especially with Torrey Taylor, is you had starters on defense fighting to be on the, the punt unit. Because I think it was Moss and DeGene were the two guys that were the corners. Or it was, it was maybe it was Merriweather and Moss. I know Moss was one of the, your gunners, and the other one, it might have been Merriweather. I don't remember who the other one was, but it was a guy, Terry Roberts, who since okay. has left, but he loved he was really good and he was always down in balls. I mean, last year, uh Tory Taylor had 17 punts inside the seven yard line. So it, it was just incredible. I mean, he had a kick like 81 times. So <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating that number, but, but Iowa couldn't move the ball yeah. for anything in it. Even, again, even me, I don't actively root for Iowa, but man, it's, it's just like watching someone get their nails pulled out. Like that's what watching Iowa's offense last year was. You need to take a, to take a nap. Toss on I told people, I was, was going to say, I told people last year, I said, you know, imagine watching it once. I had to watch it a couple of times. Oh, know? God. You know, I'm and then so I, and I'm, a, and I'm a Bears fan on top of it. So. Oh, I'm oh, so boy. sorry for you. <laughs> Such little offense that you got to enjoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to call Drake games last year. And, uh, the, and I'm getting to do it this, uh, this year again, which is fun. Um, and that, but then I got to watch Iowa state for covering Iowa state. And then I do a game day on channel five. So I had to watch Iowa. So the <laughs> offenses that I got to watch were Drake, Iowa state and Iowa. And if we're, if you're wondering how Drake's offense was last year, um, I, I think the first time they broke 21 points was the fourth week of the season. And there was one game, granted it was a downpour, but there was a combined 11 turnovers between them and their opponent. So uh, that was what I got to enjoy last year. So, yeah, I feel your pain on the <laughs> We're better this year. Both, all three are better yeah. in offense, so I hopefully don't have to watch that again. Is, is this Torrey Taylor's last year, though? It is, unless he wants to come back for his COVID year. But I hope not. <laughs> I, I think he's. I think he's. This is. He's 26 now, so I think he really wants to go on. And he's a uh, freak, man. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. He's an awesome guy. I mean, he's just a lot yeah. of fun to be around. And 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 he's he's determined games, as you know. Two years ago, I think he was a big factor in, in the Cyhawk game. And uh, two years ago against Penn State, he was the same way. And and you know, in the bowl game, he was that way. So yeah, he's been he's one of my favorite players I've been around just because he doesn't understand the, the aura around football, the culture of football that much. So he's willing to talk about things that you just like, really, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like basketball players are that way a little bit, you know, they don't really care. You know, football players are very cliche driven and, and uh, Tori was the next play. Yep. Yeah. One play at a time. You know, you know, and Jeff and I were talking before I came on the air about just how important, and Iowa has been great, obviously with special teams for, I mean, as long as, as long as I can remember. And, you know, Iowa state had a great special teams day on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, like that just made the game fun to, you know, have your opponent start inside the two. And it's like, Iowa, you know, gets that luxury damn near every week. And so it's like, man, if we can, you know, take a playbook out of, out of, you know, Kirk's playbook or, uh, you know, 
Snyder's playbook. Yeah, the Bill um, Snyder play. And actually be right. good at special teams. Like that's such a you know a forgotten part of the game that it was a huge reason, like you mentioned, for why Iowa was in so many games last year and then the when they, why they won. had no freaking yeah, business. And why they being won a lot in. of games. Well, exactly. And and I think for developmental programs like Iowa and Iowa State, that this is like an essential thing. And and the better that you get at it, and the more you, that somebody sees Darian Porter doing this or or Cooper DeGene covering punts, and you have a punter who's awesome, and you can pin them down, and you realize just the just how complementary all three phases are, it kind of breeds itself to where somebody who, you know, maybe they're a scholarship, maybe they're a walk-on kid, and they're they're on there and they're fighting and they want to play and that's the best way to get on there. And then you make a play and, and uh, it, it really helps kind of, you know, it's the lifeblood in some respects of, of developmental programs, because these are the kids who are fighting to want to play. They want to, whether they're in from Iowa, from central Iowa, and they want to go to, to Iowa state, or they're from Eastern Iowa and they want to go to Iowa or wherever, it doesn't really matter. It's just, that to me is the best way to kind of compliment because you are make by pinning somebody inside the five yard line, you know, that, okay, they're, the worst case scenario is they punt, you know, and you get the ball midfield. And and for Iowa State, that's offense is is going to be a work in progress this year. You can tell, and Iowa the same way that you play that kind of game of pong for a while, it's going to work out, or your defense is going to take advantage of it, which we saw on Saturday with Iowa State, and it damn near happened a couple of times with Iowa. They just kind of dropped the ball. Yeah, that's how I cut my teeth. Well, I was gonna say that we we've talked about that too. That you know this this season for Iowa State, <clears throat> we're gonna have to really lean on our on our defense because our offense, like you mentioned, is gonna be a work in progress. It may and, or may not be good by the time the season's yeah. done. And I mean, no no beating on the bush. Iowa's offense was bad last year, and so mm -hmm. you know they had to get a lot of scores from their defense. Which you know we started the game with a pick six, came much better than that. Which we're gonna need we're gonna need Iowa's defensive playbook from last year if we're gonna be in, you know, some if we want to get back to a bowl game. And you know we, we've talked about how. We need to be the, the the San Francisco 49ers of college football, where you've got a stout defense, you know, uh, offense that doesn't turn the ball over and just facilitates the ball, and a great special teams. I'm not sure how 49ers special teams is, but I, I would imagine decent. Maybe yeah. they get the Robbie Gold. Sorry, I'm sorry for the the Bears poll. The, yeah, I mean, he left that. though, but. <laughs> um so is, i guess any to kind of close it out is there anything that that you're expecting or like i guess what are you expecting going into this game having covered iowa that's all this whole offseason kind of just pr tangentially uh kind of tapped into iowa state i'm i'm intrigued by what first to second game adjustments iowa makes in the running game and i think what i would caution against a little bit um, for fans, and and I doubt this is the case at you know over at the the Jacobson building, but is is to be a little overconfident and seeing that offense going, oh my god, you know, and, and the way we play defense, we you know it's it's gonna we, we got a chance to really you know kick Iowa's ass. I don't, I think right now you've got to figure they're gonna counter off this that they looked at the video too and they saw, okay, this didn't work, this didn't work, we're gonna go back to doing this, and uh, but what I think is going to be the what will determine the outcome of the game is going to be how does Cade McNamara execute um, to the wide receivers, frankly, because Iowa's tight ends are elite. They're, they're two terrific. tight ends. They're and all are terrific. They're NFL guys. I think their running back is really, really good too, if he gets space. Um, but it's going to be about how can they execute down the field with their wide receivers against an elite secondary. And other than maybe Penn State's probably the best that they're going to play. So I think 
that to me is is probably the key to the game. If Iowa State can shut that down, that's going to mean Iowa's going to have to drive. And Iowa's not going to be able to do that very often, maybe a couple of times. So if they can drive three times, um, if they're just relying on the running game and tight ends, you're looking at two to three scores, and it could be 13 points. Um, can Iowa State get more than 13 points against Iowa? And if not – okay, how do you manufacture that? Is that going to be a trick play? Is that going to be, you, you've got to, you know, yes, you can intercept a pass, but you know, Iowa's not going to do that all game. They're not going to throw three or four. So it, I would look at it as Iowa's probably good for 13 to 17 points. What can Iowa State do to get to 20? That And, and you might have to do something unusual, like, like what happened a few years ago in that game where the the, the 18 17 game where you know there was a you know a, a pass to the wide receiver and then throw over the top of the corner mm. so so that to me is probably the most fascinating thing i think they're going to improve running the game last year i'm like this this thing's over this joint's cash they're done you know they're they're going to have to they're going to be lucky to win a handful of games uh but i think this year i saw the offensive line that there's a lot of mistakes but they're correctable mistakes yes yeah. Well, cool. I mean, I'm excited for it. I think it's the same thing as it, I think turnovers are going to be huge because this is going to be a possession. I don't think it's going to be a low possession game because there's gonna be a ton of three and outs. I think there's gonna be a high number of possessions, but it's going to be a low drive game where there's mm -hmm. very few opportunities where you get the ball actually moving down the field. So once you get into opposing territory, it's going to be really hard, especially in the red zone or just basically just keep the keep possession of the ball. And like you mentioned, that good analogy, just using pong, like let it pong back and forth to where you get the ball on the 37 and then drive it 10 yards and punt it. And then you get the ball back on the 41 and then you drive it a little bit. So um, well, I don't think we need to take any more of your time because... I just want to. I just want to see if Contreras can uh, break your uh, 57 yarder. Uh, you know, he was close the other day. He was, man. Records are meant to be broken. And he's got <laughs> like, that thing was good from 60 plus. Into, into, into the wind. wind. Into the wind. Yeah. That was, that was impressive. I was so, I was so juiced when Campbell said I'm out there. I'm like, what a confidence booster for, you know, for a kicker to start your Iowa state season and career off that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two great punters, two great kickers. So mm -hmm. I think uh, we could be looking at that. I don't even know if you were still, if you were there or not Shaggy, but uh, when Shaggy hit the five field goals. Um, uh, his first year, I was my first year in. Okay. So yeah, the five field goals and Iowa had one touchdown and two field goals. It might not yeah. be, it might be comparable, but I think this <laughs> that sounds like a beautiful That thing. sounds awful. Contreras goes nine. Oh man. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh thanks for hopping on, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Check it. That interview was brought to you by Goldfinch Athletics. Thanks to Scott Doctorman for popping on with us. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. He's uh he's he's obviously I'm not an Iowa fan, but he's one of my more favorite Iowa uh, guys to read his stuff about. Cause he is just a, he's candid and he's just a solid, you know, reporter. Yeah. So if you're interested in anything, the goldfinch athletics has to provide, whether that is adult or youth fitness programming, check out goldfinchathletics.com. We're going to be back on kicking it next week, hopefully with positive hidden yards and a victory against the Hawkeyes. That's right. You got some pretty cool stuff coming down the pipeline with Goldfinch Athletics as well, too, don't you? Yeah, we do. We there's there's a little bit of stuff we can't talk about yet, just right. yet, because we're still working on making sure the contract is full. But there is some cool stuff that's going to benefit a lot of really, a, a really a huge amount of people that really deserve it. So I'm excited about it. But um, yeah, if you're interested, GoldfinchAthletics.com. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, hopefully next week we're talking about uh, positive in yards and a W. That's right, a cycle and victory. And hopefully Chase Contreras has another 56 yard field goal. That'd be 57. Cool.
He can only go 56. <laughs> I won't allow 57. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you.